Today's show is being brought to you by Cause Marketing Forum and SelfishGiving.com. And we want to thank our sponsor, 1BillionShirts.org. Custom t-shirts that help others. Print with them, and 25 cents from every t-shirt benefits a good cause. And remember, you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. Leave us a comment at either one of those platforms, and we'll send you a Cause Talk Radio t-shirt. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And I have the Princess of the Pacific Northwest on the line with me today, Megan Strand. Hello. How's it going, what Megan? What a nice title. I was waiting. I, I was waiting for the yeah, what you know, it was going to be today. I that never was a really nice one. know where you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're outside Portland, right? I am. No, Seattle. Yeah, oh, no, okay. So Portland. you're kind of a princess of Portland. I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm happy good. to be here, though. That's good. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it every week to keep me under control. So we got another great show today. Uh, Megan, I'm really excited. On the line with me right now is Patrick Byrne. He is CEO of Overstock. And we're here to talk to Patrick about something called Worldstock. And Worldstock sells items handmade by craftsmen and artisans around the world and then gives most of the money back to them. How's that? Hey, Patrick, how's it going? Great, Joe. Great to be on. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's nice to be here. And you're in Utah today, correct? I am in Utah. In the right, but you're in New England. But you're in New England. I'm in New England. Uh, but I'm, I'm, from, uh, I'm from Vermont, New Hampshire, and Connecticut. And actually, I lived right outside Boston when I was a little kid. There you go. There you go. Very good. Well, it's nice to have you on board. So tell us about, you know, Megan and I have been digging into WorldStock, looking at all the great stuff that you guys have been doing, and we agree that it's the greatest program we've never heard of. <laughs> so we want well, you to tell us all about it. I, 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 I'm sorry you say that, but I understand where you're coming from. It's really been a little frustrating to me. I consider WorldStock the single best idea of my life. Yep. In 2001, I was over motorcycling around Cambodia, and there's a lot of landmine survivors there missing various body parts they get retrained as potters and weavers and silversmiths yep. and i it occurred to me why don't we st this stuff never shows up or rarely shows up in, in the u.s and when it does it's way jacked up why don't we start building relations with artisans around the world take the products and because of the nature of our system at overstock we don't have to mark them up very much so when uh, so when people spend i mean so it's fair trade but it's yep. before i had ever heard of fair trade i guess yep. everyone knows what fair trade is now. Yep. 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 You no, absolutely. Like, you yeah. So I mean, you give them what's incredible about this, though, is you give them this huge platform in which to market their products. I mean, are we talking about artisans of all sizes, or do they have to be a certain size to be on Overstock? Oh well, uh, from no artisans. No, the question is not how small. The question is how big yep. do we go on Worldstock. We don't want any what's called formal production, nothing in factories or anything like right. that. Okay. It's either individuals working in their homes or it's uh, sometimes they're small artisan co-ops. Yep. But there are about 10,000 artisans around the world in 55 countries that are making to supply us. And wow. they, uh, it's the single best idea of my life. It's been around yeah. 13 years, and it's so frustrating that it's. I think it's the biggest fair trade organization in America and maybe the world setting aside Oxfam, I'm not sure how big Oxfam is, but I think it's the largest fair trade program in the United States and it's it's kind of uh, 
it, not a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. No, I, you know, because we've had fair trade organizations on before. Right, Megan? Yeah, and I, but, but smaller. smallish, yeah, smallish organizations that are, are doing a lot of the good things that you're doing or even a little bit differently and stuff like that. But nothing of this size. Yeah, it's it's really – I get out once in a while. I get to Cambodia or Afghanistan or somewhere to, to meet with artists and suppliers. And by the way, we focus on women. This isn't mm-hmm. something we make a big deal about on the site, but our preference mm-hmm. is always to – be uh, is to engage with female artisans and mm-hmm. inc- increase the income of women for various academic reasons and mm-hmm. uh, uh, so anyway it's it's a it's a great fair trade program and it's one what's unusual is even though a lot of great companies are fair trade and are doing this the nature of their model is such that they can really only pass on say 30 40 maybe 50% right. of what mm-hmm. what the consumers paying mm-hmm. to the artisans we can pass on like 60 or 70 right so explain huh? explain the model a little bit to us because so are you funding once you find these artisans are you funding their supplies that they then come back and, and produce articles to you. Are you purchasing these? So you, do you hold inventory? Like what, how? Well, that's how a good question too, Megan. Work? Like who finds whom here? You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, it would almost seem like Patrick, you would find them. Well, in the early days, it was it was uh, us finding them, and there was a wonderful woman who helped start and build the program, Marilyn Garson, who was an NGO worker that mm-hmm. I met in Cambodia, and she I used to tell her she had every woman's dream job, travel and shop. She ah. just got to travel. <laughs> no, pardon me, Megan. I hope you'll forgive. That's anyway, my, that would be to, my dream job, too. <laughs> she got to travel the world, and she was an NGO, real down in the dirt, and, you know, yep. a woman who was re- willing to go to obscure places. And she started building the network to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is us going out and finding people. At this point, artisans generally are contacting us. It's a lot easier. Uh, we like probably the ideal size for us is working with small co-ops. Like a couple mm-hmm. years ago, I was in Cambodia, uh, in, uh, uh, Colombia. And they're back in the hills. They're little co-ops of 6, yep. 10, maybe 15 Folks who get together and work and they make chairs or they make things, and that's perfect for us because they probably have an email. So we do that, but in some places we've done what you said uh, the, the, at first, that like in Afghanistan and also on the Navajo Reservation, we had offices, we've had offices set up where people come in, they turn in the work from last month, women, and uh, and we give them the materials that will sort of carry them a month, and they, they come back a month later, and they get paid. And it's, mm-hmm. we don't ask artisans to do things on the on the come, as they say. We yep. we pay either up front or immediately as we get the goods. Mm-hmm. Do you have to – you know, one of the things I'm always curious about something like this is, especially on a site like yours on Overstock, is like – do you expect a certain quantity or do you, you know, do you look for a certain quantity from people? Because, you know, someone may do a beautiful table, but maybe it takes three months to produce that one table. Joe, you've, you've hit the nail right on the head. We yep. can deal. I'm good at that. This. You, uh, I, uh, I'm incredible. You you wouldn't imagine how many times I've tried to ex- explain to Wall Street kind of people and stuff, and they don't get this. Yeah, we can deal in very low quantities because yeah. we're overstocked. Right. And the yeah. whole, that's that's how we built our company to be able to deal right. with people who have one of something or ten of something. That's why it doesn't work in mass retail because mass mm-hmm. Walmart only buys something if they get two hundred thousand. They don't want right. twenty. 
we can deal in very tiny quantities. So <laughs> that's why it was very natural for us to start dealing with artisans. But that's I would awesome. think that would like up the cachet of of this platform and make people feel like, oh my gosh, I'm getting something handmade from Thailand. There's only 20 of them. I, I, I mean, I I don't know. I think it's I just think it's a really cool model. Uh, absolutely, and I've written a lot about it in the World Stock. Is where department there's various essays and stories by me and stuff but yeah instead of buying some mass-produced thing you know mass-produced in a factory i won't name a country why not get something where you have almost a a relationship with an artist and it's some craftsman or craftswoman who's you know doing something that's been done for hundreds of years and they're really it's you know it's very small quantities you're really getting the work of a craftsperson rather than a factory well let's Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit because joe pointed out before the show when we were talking that on your site when you go and you look at these products the the description of the products at least a couple that we looked at says you know this is handmade by artisans in nepal or whatever it says it doesn't Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually do what you just said it doesn't actually tell the story of the artisan and the fact that they work at a co-op or they work by themselves or whatever they do is there a reason that you chose to be a little bit more generic about the descriptions when it came to those products no and it's absolutely a failing we are putting up there are descriptions of some artisans and artisans groups mm. up there in world stock but probably only about 50 percent of the products have those descriptions and there are great stories in I'm the sure. Megan, give the guy a break. Will you? He's raised a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I, I believe me. I think That's it's so I awesome. I, I'm I asking a question. I for my co-host. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like she, you raised all this money, and she's just like, "Hey, where's my name on this?" You know, I wanted to mention Patrick that Megan has a line of oven mitts. Oh, here we go. That she makes in her house. This is such a fabrication. This is such a fabrication. Don't listen to him, Patrick, please. (laughs) Well, we do have another department that would be right for you. We started. (laughs) It's called the Circular File Department. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you the number. (laughs) Don't want to be hard on you, Megan. Don't want to be hard on you. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, uh, we do have a department called Main Street Revolution that is just taking, uh, you know, dealing with small entrepreneurs around the United States with less than 20 employees. And do you have less than 20 employees making your oven mitts, Megan? Uh, I do. Yeah. I do. Fewer? Just Joe. Okay, well, <laughs> well, I would be right for Main Street Revolution. You don't count as a developing world artisan, but you'd be just right as a Main Street entrepreneur. Yeah, That's I, very I, cool. you know, you know, this is something. One of the things that Megan and I are really excited about, Patrick, when it comes to uh, cause marketing and sustainable businesses and social entrepreneurship and all the different things that we talk about, is like this idea about businesses empowering the individual. And what you are doing is such a great example of that. Um, you know, in the sense that you know, you give people an outlet where they can, you know, raise money and and take care of themselves. Or you know, it, and within the United States, maybe they raise, maybe they make that money and they give some back to people themselves. You know, and uh, so there's a lot of different ways that they can work something like that. But I think that's like the the best type of program. Absolutely, I actually used to be in a development economist years ago. and had very disen, uh, disen mm. not disenfranchised, disenchanted yeah. with the 
the way that most of the charity goes, it really should be all about nurturing the grassroots and building from the bottom up. And that's yep. why we like dealing with women, frankly, because men, when you increase, there's all kinds of economist studies that showed mm-hmm. in India and that when you increase the income of men, you basically get uh, increased consumption of, you know, alcohol, tobacco, and and other things they shouldn't be doing, where if you increase the income of women, they immediately invest it in calories for their children. So, wow. Isn't that incredible? The, well, we had a... Doesn't yeah. really surprise me, but... <laughs> <laughs> Being from Boston, we had at one point 1,500 people, and we got a prize from the president of Afghanistan, Karzai, not that I... Uh, have that too high on my wall, but we had 1,500 workers. There are 1,300 of them women, and uh-huh. it's all about. And you know, we could take their family income from, in one case, $15 a month up to $300 a month, which doesn't sound like a lot. No, it does. Yeah, and not in that marketplace. Did I see somewhere uh, that you're the largest employer in Afghanistan? We got a prize from Karzai for being the largest. In 2006, we were the largest non-governmental employer in Afghanistan. Uh, Gradually, we shifted that business into the refugee camps in Pakistan because Afghanistan is so corrupt. And and it just, by around 06 or 07, Afghanistan started becoming so corrupt we couldn't do business there. But we deal with refugees in Pakistan on that right now. That's incredible. I'm, I'm curious, since you've been doing this since 2001, which in and of itself is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so forward-thinking to have started this back in 2001. I, I'm curious to know what some of the challenges that you've run into along the way have been. I mean, clearly, political situations making it impossible to do business might be one of them. But, you know, what are some other things that you struggled with early on that you were able to get past or, and things that maybe you're struggling with now as this, this fair trade movement evolves? Well, good question. We, to begin with, it was setting up what are called the supply chains, mm-hmm. finding the artisans and figuring out, you know, most of these folks, and God bless them, there's no reason they should know, but they didn't know how to export, you know, handmade uh, stools from Peru to the United States. So we would have to, sometimes we would send someone down there for some time that would set, set up shipping programs and, and work it out. They were used to selling sort of one uh, or two stools a month, and mm-hmm. we could go in and say, look, we, we'll fill up a container, a shipping container right. of stools. But we had to teach them. Sometimes we have to get them on email. We have to, a lot of, big problem was setting up payment systems. A lot of these mm. folks aren't, mm. you know, tied into any formal banking system, and so we right. generally had to help them with that. So it was those kinds of problems originally, and now it's more a problem. We have this fantastic system. It has, as as you saw, we've, as you said, we've put out, we've remitted now, we the $100 million mark wow. in remittances to these artisans around the world back in November. Uh, and now it's just getting the word out. We have this fantastic yeah. system. It, it could be 10 times the size it is now. Yeah, It's amazing. That's, I mean, that's incredible. And you have the capacity to do it, too. That's what's so incredible. Because you talk to so many people, and they have wonderful aspirations, but actually doing it is another thing. You guys can do it. It, it's like I say, it's the most exciting idea of my life, and the idea I'm most proud of. I mean, I we're rapacious capitalists, and every other part of overstock, we're all about chiseling, chiseling the supplier, and and pass it, you know, chisel it. But with the artisans, we don't chisel them. We yeah, we, we read that. Together. Yeah, we. And you know what's really interesting, and a lot of people were hung up on this at first. The artisans want feedback. Yeah. And so we would give them, we would tell them, look, this vase is, somebody in Guatemala has sent us a bunch of different vases, say, and we 
Uh, we try them, and there's one. Typically, uh, for the American eye, you have to classicize and simplify a design. So you take some little element of a Guatemalan design, and you blow it up, and you make it whole vase, and it sells 10 times as much. Well, the artisans love that feedback. They've huh. never had market right. feedback. And what, yep. you know, we can tell from what people are clicking on and purchasing and stuff. We can learn all this information we pass back to the artisans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So tell me, what, I mean, this is such an incredible program. Does Overstock have any time for other cause-related programs? We do. We do. And the, and the world, I, I, one last thing I want to mention about World Stock, mm -hmm. we run it at break-even. We try yep. not to make money. And mm -hmm. when it does make money, we use the money to go build schools. And we've built 26 schools around the world, funding, uh, educating wow. about 6,000 <laughs> 6, kids, about 4,000 of them female, all across Africa and Central Asia. Wow. That's anyway, awesome. That, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So the, re the rest of the day, I'm a rapacious capitalist. <laughs> you like stealing from nuns and widows. Right? <laughs> just to now, build schools, Joe, just to build schools. <laughs> but on, on the question of what else are we doing, it's fun. Well, I've gotten so excited about it. We've actually created a, a number of stores within Overstock that, have, that really aren't there to make money. They're there to to do something good. So there's the Main Street Revolution, and we're about to launch two more stores. And I'm giving you a scoop nobody knows about yet, but since I'm... Thank you. And that is, one, we are building a fantastic farmer's market program. And huh. there will be... Where you'll be able to shop local and... Uh, and we're integrating with different uh, farmers' cooperatives around the country. So yep. you know these programs, they call them community-supported agriculture? Mm -hmm. Yep. We're, we participate in ourselves, and I bet Megan does too. Yep. And is, that, is it one where you pay like 20 bucks a week and they deliver yep. a box? that's right, exactly. Yep. But we are integrating with a number of those, and you will have by March or April one section of the country coming live where you can come through us, do that, you save setup fees, and a lot of these CSAs don't have very good computer systems. Yeah. So anyway, we bring a lot to the table as far as the CSAs are concerned, and over the course of the next four or five months, we'll bring it live. So we have, I think by June, we'll have about 80% of the country covered. So that's wow. one new thing we're bringing live. That's awesome. And then... The thing I'm really excited about, which should be live in about four weeks, is a pet adoption. There's about 13,000 pet shelters around the United States, and with a, at any given time about 250,000 animals, about 8 million come through a year, of whom 6 million get adopted and 2 million get killed. And so anything you can do to – and I'm an animal lover. Yes, yeah, sure. So I'm, are, you are too? Yeah, absolutely. I got a six-pound Yorkie. There can't be a bigger animal than that, I'll tell you. Right? <laughs> We're going to have it so you can come in and and type your zip code and say, I want to search within 75 miles of here for a dog that's under six months old, that's a Labrador of this guy. Just like you were shopping, I don't mean to commodify the yeah, animals, sure. but just yep. like you were, you were shopping for purses or shoes, and we've got these this wonderful way to navigate and filter down millions of products to just the, the five pairs of five wallets you might be interested in. We can do that with, we're taking all these data feeds from all these pet shelters and putting yep. them together through our system, and you'll that's be able to be... It'll be the best pet pet shop pet 
uh, adoption system online, I think. So let me ask you something, Patrick. One of the things I'm really curious about, too, because, you know, because of what you're doing with local farms and now you're doing for pet adoption and stuff like that, what is the business case for doing those two additional things? Or is there no business case and you just want to help out? Uh, I'm not sure there is a business case. I'll put it this way. I do it because I want to help out. Yeah. And I may somewhat causalistically go back when shareholders have challenged me about this and I can kind of rationalize it. Yep. And I believe the rationalizations that it's it's good and, and, and it gets us very loyal customers. World Stock gets us. The people who do come in and shop at World Stock, and it's only yep. about 2% yep. of our business, they're very loyal to Overstock in general. Yep. But mostly the inspiration to do this is – uh, it's very creative. I mean, we've built mm-hmm. this great platform, and it's kind of fun to find, hey, instead of deciding what new brand of toaster to carry, to say, yep. how can we use this platform, you know, to realize that the, the technology platform we built to handle the toasters and the shoes yep. also works great with artisans, also could work great with tech. Right, with very, right. You know, well, what I kind of like, though, is, like, you're kind of becoming like that one-stop yep. place for people's lives. Yep. You know what I mean? And I'm not just talking about shopping for stuff, but I'm talking about like you know the, the opportunity to to shop for fresh fruits and vegetables from your you know basically a local uh, crop stand. And you know, and then on the other hand, you have this ability to really find a wonderful pet through all these databases. It gives you like this endless choice. You know, Overstock is one of those things that I'll bookmark on my browser that's just what we're after we want you know we really don't view ourselves as a site so much as a movement we are really in the business of trying to save people money and trying to save and trying to find these areas of the market where it's expensive and hard to do what you want to do and Mm -hmm. i I mean it sounds corny and it's not like we think we're gandhi or something but Mm -hmm. we really we have 1500 people going to work every day thinking how can we help out and if we help out enough and can help enough people yeah we make a couple shekels it's really it's it's kind of a we feel altruistic we don't think the rest of the world sees us that way but in general but we feel like we're trying to do something to help the world with these programs well it's certainly the case well i hope people reward you for your efforts absolutely and i think it'll be interesting to see also if as as people start glomming on to this main street effort and the farmer's market program and the pet adoption if then i mean clearly overstock sales but also if world stock people understanding that that exists if, if the awareness will build with that as well, just because people will mm-hmm. start exploring more on the platform. Yeah. From your yeah. lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's what John well, and I know, do on the show. So, That's what so, we do. Uh, so uh, Patrick, you can probably get through Megan's application for Megan's mitts <laughs> that she'll be sending you the new, the new oven mitts. Oh. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll sell like hotcakes. You know, yeah. A good one. That was a good one. You don't know me at all, Joe. <laughs> well, Patrick, this has been so fascinating. I cannot believe we've already blown through 20 minutes, but in fact, we've done that. So can you tell people where they can find out more about you and about Worldstock and Overstock and all these great things you have going on? Sure. There's a first of Wired Magazine published a great big story about uh, us and me yesterday and some of my causes. So if you just search on Wired for my name, Patrick Byrne, uh, you'll get something. Uh, You can write me. My email is patrick at overstock.com. And if you do that, I'll make a special offer because you folks have been so nice. Anyone who writes me, let's say uh, by the end of the week, 
anyone who writes me by this Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, I'll give a free, I'll arrange a free Clubo membership for. And Clubo is our loyalty program. We sell it for $20, and it gives you all kinds of benefits. And anyone who writes me at Patrick at Overstock.com, and now one time I did this and I regretted it because I got about 3000 They're so good. Or else just go to Overstock and look for the department called World Stock. And actually, there's now a tab we call O Village. And you go in there, and it has World Stock and Farmer's Market and, well, uh, and Main Street Revolution and all the materials about it so you can read about it as well as uh, tens of thousands of great products. Wow, thank you. Very generous. And I'm sure our listeners will take you up on that. Thanks for that information, Patrick. And how about you, Joe? Where can people find more about you if they'd like to do so? Well, uh, you know, of course, they can find me on my blog, SelfishGiving.com, and they can find me minute to minute on Twitter, at Joe Waters. And, of course, I've curated thousands of uh, cause marketing campaigns on Pinterest, so I hope you check those out at Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF, and also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at CauseUpdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like this episode, please give us a thumbs up in Stitcher. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes iTunes and maybe even leave us a comment and on behalf of Patrick and Joe and myself we'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio and we'll see you next time